Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of On My Grown, the podcast. I am your co-host, Melanie Mitchell. I'm your other co-host, Rodney Boyd. And hey, um, <laughs> we are here. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll get right into it. We don't have any kind of, uh, I went and checked earlier, unless in the past six hours they added something. We didn't I have checked any recently. Reviews. I didn't see any. Okay, yeah, I checked earlier today. So we don't have any new reviews, so make sure y'all go on iTunes and leave a review, or Apple Podcasts, and leave a review for us. So we're coming off the heels of our homecoming. Um, you know, I had mine the week before last, and then this past weekend was Spellhouse Homecoming that, you know, I went and parlayed at for tailgate, because why not? And it was fun. But um, it got me to thinking about certain things, and of course, being on Twitter, this conversation comes up every 37 minutes, and it's just annoying and ridiculous but we here um yeah so what are we talking about this week Rodney so this week um we are we're gonna we're gonna incite one of the many the re- reoccurring twitter debates uh, <laughs> HBCUs versus PWIs um and, and just historically black colleges and universities versus predominantly white institutions so the difference the, those differences are uh, historically black colleges they were they were created with the explicit purpose of educating um, the new population of freed African-Americans. Um, right. Most were, of them were established during Reconstruction. Yep. Uh, that's why you see the majority of them in the South. Um, and uh, predominantly white institutions are institutions that were established um, maybe before or after slavery, but they were, they were designed just with you know, letting all students in. Um, and I hate that we use verses. Um, I've done this. Pro- I did this as a program in college, and we we use the term "or" because I think as a, as a community, sometimes we got to stop fighting each other. You know, I don't but, think it's an "or" either. I think it's like an "and." Maybe it's an "and." I just said verses based on the Twitter sphere. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I I get it to identify. Yeah, I but think it should I, be an "and." Yeah, but um, <laughs> let, let's hop into the conversation. Was there anything right. else before we introduced our guests? Um, well, part of the selection of my guests, um, not my guests, but the guests for the show this week, um, I just thought about just proximity to HBCUs like PWIs. I know for FAMU across the tracks, we had FSU. Um, so I have a young lady from FSU. And then just with the whole AUC, then we have a ton of other colleges, which all had a homecoming this weekend had, you know, PWIs in proximity to the AUC, so we have someone from Georgia State. So, y'all can go ahead and introduce yourselves. You wanna, can I go first? Okay. (laughs) So, my name is Robin Garner. I graduated from Florida State University in 2015 with my Bachelor's of Science in Hospitality Management. And, yeah, I don't know, should I give social media or, like... Um, go ahead, girl. Okay. <laughs> you can follow me <laughs> on everything um, at Fly Like Robin and on Twitter with the underscore. So. All right. What's good, everybody? My name is Jovan Page. I am a spring 2016 graduate of Georgia State University, public policy major. I guess you can follow me, too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, IG at not yo, that's Y-O, Ebonics, underscore average Joe. Uh, if you're on Facebook, then it's first middle and last. Javon Marquise Page, M A R Q U E S. Lord, yes. y'all even yeah. go as far as typing. Yeah, I'm about to get famous because of y'all. Hey, let's get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess we can hop right into it. Um, 
So let's just, you know, get, lay this foundation real quick. So why did you guys choose your schools, like your predominantly white institutions? Go ahead, Robin. Okay, so I chose to go to Florida State. Um, a lot of my family members are, like, big fans of Florida State, have been my granddad, my dad, since I was, like, a little girl. I wanted to go to a school where I could go and enjoy the football games, and not even much going to lie, it was pretty much my entire, like, purpose kind of in choosing um, FSU. It was also one of the only schools where I didn't know anybody, like, directly from my high school or like that I actually like knew kind of in Miami um would be going um I didn't want to be necessarily out of Florida um I still wanted to be close enough to like be able to come home um I am from I am a Miami native so I wanted to be able to come home like regularly you know as often like as I could without it being too much of like a hassle so um yeah, Florida State took me, and USF seemed, uh, you know, stiff, and USF seemed stiff, and, you know, I don't recognize that other thing over there in Gainesville, so that was pretty much, that was pretty much it. Okay. Word. Well, the irony is that I actually applied and was accepted to both Morehouse and Florida A&M. Um, so I wanted to go to FAMU at first. I was actually uh, in the band. I played trumpet uh, since I was in third grade. I was a drum major, so that was kind of like the segue. If you were in a big band in East Atlanta, the MLK Southwest Stevenson, you went to a big band in college. So that was one of the reasons. It just so happened that the very year I graduated is when the hazing incident happened with Robert Champion. So my folks were like, that's a no-go. Okay, hold up. Uh, <laughs> just keeping it honest. Uh, now, the same year that didn't happen till the fall. It, it, we was already it, it, there. It happened uh, in November of 2011. Uh, we was already in school. The investigation had started, didn't it? No. Hazen had been a problem. Okay, that's been since the band was established. Uh, yeah. But, okay. okay. But that's been the HBCU band you go to. Okay. Because I know how y'all get down, but you. I mean, in the... yeah, I'm still, I'm still doing my, I'm still doing my intro. I'm sorry, you wasn't finna do that. You was I'm not still, about to do that. Like, I'm still doing my intro. Talking. Oh my god. I just wanted to set the precedence that this is my role. I'm coming to freak stuff up but anyway okay. uh so okay. morehouse uh, i was supposed to go to morehouse as well i got into that school but uh the price was a little high especially considering that hope only gave you like 35 cent towards it so what i decided to do was i also got into uga um uh, the biggest reason why i didn't go to any of those schools kind of similar to what uh robin alluded to is that i kind of wanted to make my own way i went to every school that my sister went to since we were in chicago and every time i would be Mariah Page's little brother. She was valedictorian. She had every teacher lover, and then I was just that class clown that came through. And, you know, my B plus wasn't as good as her A plus uh, plus. So one of the biggest reasons I went to Georgia State and I ended up staying there was just because I felt like I could make my own way. I could kind of take the steps and and literally allow other people to follow behind me instead of being the other way around. So now, anytime she comes near Atlanta, she's Jovan's sister, and that feels pretty good. So, yeah. <laughs> That's nice. Okay. I, I understand that. I, I'm kind of like the Solange of my family, too. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, I didn't say all that. <laughs> oh, no, I'm saying like Beyonce's little <laughs> sister. You just, play, you just played me over the phone. It's all good. I'm saying I'm a, we the same boat. Like, we both little siblings. I, oh, I'm just saying. No, I'm but, no see, but like, like I'm, ba- I'm like baby Michael. Like, I'm the youngest, but, you know, like, come on. 
Okay. Okay. Right. I mean, I guess my next question was if you will go. Oh, I'm sorry, Rodney. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I guess it kind of goes with what you uh, were about to ask. So, so Robin, you never con- you never considered the HBCU. Correct. Well, my mom really tried to push Spelman on me, and I was like completely like, I don't want to go to an all girl school because I wasn't thinking at the time about Morehouse, which looking back on it, big mistake. Yes, but sir. neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> I did. <laughs> which, as a matter of fact, one second thought, it may not have been that much of a mistake, but you get what I'm trying to say. Um, I didn't realize that like you were in such close they were in such close proximity to each other and they share classes like that thought never crossed my mind um so I did apply to Florida A&M um I got in but I just was like oh okay like his fam like pretty much everybody that was in the band at Miami Central because we were also like a very big band school they were already going I'm like yeah I don't really want to deal with y'all so like fam kind of just was like an automatic like just it I don't want to say it was an automatic no, but I was just like, yeah, like, whatever. And then we had to take, like, a senior class trip. Like, the top graduates in the class had to go to FLOMO. And when we were at FLOMO, which is Florida Memorial, uh, is it college? or I'm not sure. And that's, like, no tea, no shade. I think it's university. So we had to go to Florida Memorial University, like, on, like, a graduates class trip thing. And we felt we filled out applications there. But, um, and I got accepted to that, but I already knew I was not staying in Miami, like, at all. So, um, HBCUs did come across, but it was never something, it was never a direction that I was necessarily, like, pushed in or that I tried to push myself into. So, yeah. Okay. Mel, did you? Hmm. Okay. Um... You kind of, like, are answering some of our other questions as y'all, like, go. So I'm trying to, like, go around. Um, (laughs) Okay. So did race play a big part in your decision in choosing the school that you wanted to attend? Wanted to attend? Not at all. (laughs) It didn't? Okay. Not at all. Um, I love being around black people. I've been around black people, like, my entire life like and I knew obviously going to Florida State I'm like okay well I know there are black people there I just gotta find them um I didn't anticipate finding as many black people as I did I will say that like I wasn't expecting like anything about like the black student union or like when I came into care like I wasn't expected to be surrounded by a majority of black students um so that kind of like not that it threw me off it was like a pleasant surprise because I did think, like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go to the school and be, like, the fucking, I'm sorry, the token black girl, you know? So, and I, like, I really didn't want that, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to be that. Like, I don't know how to be a token black girl. I'm still going to be, like, Robin from Liberty City. So, to go there and to see as many black students that I did, I was like, okay, like, fantastic. But it was never a thing, like, I chose a PWI because I did not want to be around like black people like that's just like I I could never imagine like not being around black people at all that's kind of what I'm going through now like as an adult and I hate it Ooh, and you know Robin that's actually going to be a wonderful point to one of the questions they're going to ask but uh I don't I don't really feel like it, it paid that much of a difference in my selection either I think to be perfectly honest, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to go to FAM or go, go to Morehouse is because I knew a lot of people going. It's just like, oh, oh yeah, that, well, that's a comfort level. 
uh, well, the band's here and those people are here and I'll still be kind of close. But I think probably within my first couple weeks, I kind of embraced the ambiance of the different colors. I, I was able to see the diversity that Georgia State had to offer. And, and at least the demographics when I first got in was it was 45% white, 35% black, 19% Asian, 15% Hispanic, and the rest was multiracial. The only reason I know that is because I was an orientation leader. But it's kind of switched. The paradigm is completely shifted. And I'm sure we'll probably get into this a little later. But if you come on campus, all you really see is black people at Georgia State. And that's because the residential living, the people who um, house all of the campus positions. You know, I was the first sophomore homecoming prince, first black person to do that. But then I was the first person to win King as well. And this is at a white school. But for me, at least, um, just because I was raised by my grandparents who kind of put us in places. I, I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago before I moved down to the east side of Atlanta. But even then, we went to a suburban high school, uh, suburban elementary and middle school just to prepare us for what my grandparents kind of understood as what the real world was. Before we even knew we were kind of coming to Georgia, you realize that a lot of northern cities, a lot of northern states are going to be a lot more gentrified. There's going to be a lot more white people who are in front of you when they're doing the interviews. You know, your, your name isn't going to necessarily be able to be connected with a fraternity or sorority, uh, at least when you start the initial thinking. So, I think that's one of the things that kept me here, kept me from leaving, was the fact that I felt like I, I had the opportunity to do something that, you know, no offense. I like that no tea, no shade. I was dope. Uh, no tea, no shade is, I think, a, a different sort of preparedness that I felt like I had because I was exposed to those from the inception of my college career until the end of it. Hmm, excellent answer. What? So you kind of like segue. You want to go ahead and do this in Rodney and answer the question? Are you thinking what I'm thinking? or I was going to ask uh, what, if y'all could just kind of give everybody a, an idea of what your high school was made up of in terms of demographics. Because um, I know for me, I grew up, so I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. Um, 1,200 people in my class. I think it was like 10% black. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, my high school experience played a role and what I was looking for for college. Jovan um, and, and Robin, if you all can kind of expand what your high school experience was like in terms of demographics and, and things. One. 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 There's one white person in my school. One. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. 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 MLK <laughs> High School, yeah. Seriously. Me and Jovan mm -hmm. went to the same high school. Yep. So, I've been in school 10th grade, so I was there with him 9th grade. And that's coming from so I'm, I'm from Miami, too, but I'm not from Liberty City. I'm not from none of the parts that shout out in the rap songs. I'm from South Miami. <laughs> I'm from the same part of Miami. Somebody shouts out South Miami. I just can't Pitbull. think of a song right now. There you go. Pitbull. Yeah. Me and Pitbull from the same part of Miami. <laughs> so I don't get none of the cool points. But everybody was, I mean, it was pretty mixed, but I was in Gifted. So I was with yeah. the white Hispanic kids, and I was like, it was me. And then it was Georgette with other black girl in the class. And she was at FSU, too. So it was just us two black girls, like some mixed girls and a couple black boys. And that was it. And then ninth grade, I moved to Atlanta <laughs> and I went to MLK High School. I was shook. <laughs> so literally, like, I felt like the white girl. So <laughs> it was it was a lot. It was definitely a lot. And that was a culture shock for me. But that's kind of what. Yeah, diversity. <laughs> I guess. 
So, um, like I mentioned earlier, I grew up in the Liberty City area of Miami. And if you've seen First 48, if you know Trick Daddy, if you know Uncle Luke, you, you already know what Liberty City is about. It is a very, very rough inner city. It's, it's anybody's inner city, um, basically. And so all of my schools from elementary up to high school were all very inner city, very black. It was like, I would say between 80 to 90% black. The rest were probably like Latino, whether that was like white Latino or black Latino, however they would like to identify. But um, I don't remember seeing like an actual, like a white, white student, probably until like middle school. And that's just because my middle school was in a area that is like a little bit nicer. It's the Miami Shores area, which um, people don't realize, like, you know, we think about segregation, like in big, like, like the 1960s segregation, but a lot of our areas like Miami and stuff, we're still segregated by neighborhood. Like our parents and our grandparents that have been here have been here since the 60s and the 70s because these were the only places that they could live. And like the nicer neighborhoods are still very much segregated. So they're still like, you know, they're families, like black families that have got like a little bit of cash. So, you know, you're able to move to your Miami Shores and your Miramars. But for the most part, those neighborhoods are still primarily white. So you do have like middle schools like Horace Mann that I went to that, yeah, you know, there's going to be a few white kids here and there, like, you know, or like Latino kids, but nothing like too major. Um, And then for my high school, I attended Miami Northwestern at first which is, again, still an inner city school. I then went to a charter school back in Miami Shores, which was 90% white. And I just remember being like, oh my God, like, get me out of here. (laughs) Like, it was just like, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And I was there for two years and I had like, I don't want to say I had like a lot of disciplinary problems because I had never been that type of, like Melanie, I was in gifted my entire like, everything when I was in school I was in gifted and I was always like one of the smarter kids in class but then to go to this school where these kids are like light years ahead of me because they've been in white schools with resources their entire lives and now I'm like the problem child you know it's like okay like all the black kids you go to detention ain't nothing but black kids in detention it's nothing but so I think that was my first kind of instance of being like okay like oh it's a clear difference Mm-hmm. Like, in the way that, like, we're treated versus the way that, like, they're treated. Mm-hmm. So, for my last two years, I was like, no, I got to get back to, I got to get back to my peoples. So, I graduated from Miami Central Senior High School, which is another inner city high school. Got back to being at the top of my class and things like that. So, when it came time to decide in a college, that's why I said, like, race absolutely was not a factor. Because I had kind of had experiences with both, with being both the majority and the minority. And, um, yeah, that's just, like, like, I think my whole high school education pretty much shaped, like, who I am today as well as me furthering, like, my college education. And I know this is not, like, one of the questions, but what I will say is that you can almost draw a parallel to schools up north and schools up south to kind of how people perceive a PWI versus HBCU. And I'm saying a perception because I don't necessarily feel like it's true because I have uh, known a lot of people who are some of the most intelligent people I know who graduated from the likes of FAMU and Morehouse and Spelman and those sorts of schools. But what I will say is that when I moved down here from Illinois, I didn't have to study. I was light years in front of everybody else in my class because 
we had already gone over that stuff. And I think that's what the instant perception is when someone says, I went to a Florida State as opposed to a FAMU. They always kind of chime in on what the negative perceptions are about those uh, HBCUs instead of highlighting the fact that there is excellence that stems from those. So I can kind of see why there is so much animosity on both sides because there's some who just don't understand the amount of information that you have to be able to uh, learn and recollect as a, a student at HBCU, but people don't also understand that the amount of rigor that's associated with the PWI and the fact that you might not necessarily have a teacher that cares about you because you're one of 125. So I know I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but I just thought about that connection. I, I see what you're saying though, because when I moved from Miami to Georgia, I felt like a prodigy. Mm -hmm. like, right. <laughs> that was crazy. It's like, bro, I don't read. Like, stop cheating <laughs> no, off me. Like, <laughs> and I was the biggest slacker in, in right. straight C. <laughs> and I got to, to MLK and I was on the principal's list and had perfect <laughs> attendance for the first time in my entire life. Like, I'm surrounded by idiots. That's how I feel. <laughs> Which is sad and it don't sound pretty nice, but like, literally, that's how I felt. I'm like, what are they teaching y'all in the cap mm -hmm. County? I feel like that's another factor into it too, because it's like yep. a melting pot of different mm -hmm. type of education. Like, but even like I was in Dade County, me and somebody who went to Norland Middle probably got totally different experiences. Exactly. It's it's yeah. definitely like it's it's crazy to see like just the educational differences. Like, you know, I went to a charter school and they're reading Great Gatsby in like the ninth and tenth grade. And Central, I can't tell you what we were reading in ninth grade. Like, I don't even remember. Like, just, I, I don't remember. You know, and it's like, me being a person that was like a big English, I'm a big English buff, I'm a big history buff. I, you know, I felt like, oh my God, this is like amazing for me to finally be, you know, in a school that's like actually challenging me. Like, great. I cannot have like an administrator breathing down my back every five seconds about why my hair is in twists in a big bun and all this other type of stuff. So that was kind of, again, like you, you have the education, you have the perception of the education and you see the benefits of like the resources of being in schools that are richer, but that culture weighs down on you, especially as a child where mm -hmm. you'll feel like you're in a place where like, Oh my God, I'm not accepted. I can't step out of line. And like, I'm going to end up in detention or like my mama gets called. And you know, like when your mama get called, your mama don't want to hear that. Your mama don't want to hear like I'm black. And her job. Kicking on all the black. Like my mama wasn't trying to hear that. Like it was like, girl, no. So it was hard for me to learn. And I know like, I'll say I can probably graduate from that school. I probably could have went Ivy League had I graduated from that charter school because that's just how much it benefited my education. I in my personal life though like how I was like just me and my personality I could not sustain that and so I think that's like a big that's also kind of an issue when we talk about being in like predominantly black environments versus being in predominantly white environments okay so going back to what Jovan said a little earlier about you know being prepared for the real world by going to more Caucasian Ooh. institutions so do you think that HBCUs have an unrealistic portrayal of corporate America or just like the reality of corporate America? Personally, no. <laughs> no. 
personally speaking, no, I don't. I, I feel like when I hear that comment, it's like, oh, well, like PWIs prepare you better to deal with white people or pre- better prepare you to deal with diversity in corporate America. Like nothing is going to prepare you to be around white people except unless you've been black in America. Like I feel like that's experience enough to be completely honest with you. Or like mm-hmm. even once you get into corporate America, it's still some things that are going to get thrown at you that you're going to be looking like, what? Like mm-hmm. I've been around white people now adding into college has been what like a good seven years that I've been around them like a majority of my life at this point well not a majority but I've been around them long enough like in my life and it's still some things that they do and I'm just like okay. I don't think you ever get used to it <laughs> it's just like okay like fine you know so the whole thing about being in corporate America like Corporate America at this point, like your top, top, top level boss, more than likely is probably going to be a rich white man. That's just it. There's a chance you probably not going to meet him. So who are you dealing with in corporate America? You're dealing with like execs, you're dealing with CEOs, CFOs, you're dealing with all these different type of people that can be Asians, that can be Indians. There's a lot of like foreigners, I would say, that like have a lot of control in America that we kind of don't see. You know, and so it's like when we talk about like, oh, yeah, well, PWIs help you better deal with corporate America. Like, eh, not really. Like, it may be one microaggression that you might catch because you caught it in college, but it's going to be another microaggression coming right behind that that you've never heard or seen before. So I'm not really sure, like, where that comes from, like, on my end. Like, I don't understand that. Okay. 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 I would say yes and no. And I, I hate kind of straddling the fence on issues, but there's, I guess, dichotomizing views that I have. I'd say yes, I think that HBCU attendees can be adequately prepared for corporate America if they go to the right HBCU, if that makes sense. One thing that I've noticed in my uh, work experience, I was an intern for En-ROADS, and En-ROADS is, as many people know, if you don't know, En-ROADS is an internship pipeline for minorities that gets you in front of Fortune 500 companies. It puts your resume in the pipeline. It shows you how to write appropriately, gives you interview skills, and it gives you the opportunity to intern for these people. And what I'll see is that, oh, okay, so we got a black person from HBCU. Oh, that's Morehouse. Okay, Spellman. Fam. Okay. But you don't see many Alcorns. You see a lot of South Carolina states, but you don't necessarily see, you know, those smaller schools. And that's what I've kind of observed is that I feel like, yeah, there is a sort of incubation that occurs with HBCUs, but that's what they're intended for. They're intended to um, to go ahead and rile up the people within those communities who weren't heard from. Are we going to make sure we put in a room everybody who's been marginalized, give them the, the sinew, give them the heart, give them the mindset that they can achieve whatever they want to achieve, no matter what kind of color they are, and they're going to go do it. Now, what I feel is, though, is that it's almost become even more dichotomizing with us as African-Americans that if I am an HR representative and I happen to go to Morehouse and then there's two people who are, I'd say, maybe one A and one B, right? And one went to Morehouse, one went to Georgia State. Well, I'm going to pick the one for Morehouse just because that's the school I went to. Uh, I think that that's what happens when you are in those bigger market HBCUs and the smaller ones you are is kind of a lot more difficult. Now, I've 
been in many conversations. For instance, I was in this organization called the 1930 Society, and they're the official student ambassadors for Georgia State. We were right beneath the president of the university, so we would go to his house. Dr. Becker, I don't know if I'm getting in trouble for this, but he makes the fifth most out of all colleges and universities in the nation. Bread. And what you're doing, what, 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 we, what we are doing is having the opportunity to be amongst those people, right? We didn't have a seat at the table. We were literally just in the room, but seeing those conversations, seeing how those conversations were went, and I can count on one hand the amount of conversations that ensued when they asked me what school I went to. So when they asked me what high school I went to, and I told them MLK High School, it was like, oh, that's nice. But then I would see when they asked one of my colleagues, what high school did you go to? Woodward. Oh, Woodward. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that kind of propels to post-collegiate. Now we're in the interview room. What's going to distinguish you from anybody else? You have the same thing on paper. Okay, we saw you in person. You look a little different. Now, tell me out. you went to Florida State. And I say, go knows, or tell me you went to FAMU and see where that conversation goes. So that's what I would say is even though it's unfair, that's where the preparedness in the PWI, I feel like, supersedes that of HBCU is that, as, you know, as Robin alluded to earlier, that's who makes up these Fortune 500 companies. And if we're talking about corporate America specifically, I would say, yeah, a PWI is going to prepare you more just because that's the world we live in. Those are the people who run it. But see, no. I don't think that's preparedness, though. I think that's just, mm. that's that's bias, in my okay. opinion. And yeah, that's okay. just me coming from sitting in a room with a bunch of hospitality execs, because they did that with us all the time. They had a bunch of people, a bunch of CEOs and hoteliers, and everyone come in and just tell us, well, what do you look for? And we mm. had a couple of people that were like, oh, you know, when I see a University of Florida, no tea, no shade, and I'm not being funny. This is a real conversation. <laughs> I see a University of Florida resume, and I toss it. You know what I'm trying to say? So, and that's not even, and I'm not just basing it like on us two, but I think that like me going to Florida State, it may not have prepared me. It just may, if I get in front of the right person, I just have that advantage because of the school. That don't mean I learned any more than, you know, whatever. So it's not that about being prepared. That's just like that, that right there is just kind of luck, you know, and that's just kind of hope like, oh my God, you know. Hopefully I have like something in common or something that that person respects. Cause at the same time I go in front of a CEO that's a UF fan or a UF graduate, you know, and I'm going up against somebody that graduated from UF. What does that do for me? Nothing. So I don't think that that's, I don't think that I wouldn't say preparedness. I would say that maybe that's a bias. Okay. So you feel like, like maybe, maybe exposure is a better word because as you mentioned, yeah, you used to have, maybe used to have, yeah, you used to have people from hospitality come to your university all the time and you had the opportunity to interact with them. Melanie, how many times did those same people come to FAMU? Oh, well, we have, you know, companies come all the time. You have a I was going to say, but I don't, think hosp- I don't think FAM has a hospitality school. So it would yeah, make sense. Well, I mean, yeah, not, not specifically <laughs> hospitality, but just like, like just I said. Just bumping like, shoulders with people. Yeah, that, like you know, those opportunities out. present themselves a little more frequently. And I guess, I think you're right. Like the word shouldn't be more prepared. But the reason why I'm saying that, uh, and I should have brought this point up earlier, is I think the preparation is different considering the fact that when you're sitting in if we made a uh, symbolic room that's filled with everybody that's applying for your job, if you just took everybody that's in the Coca-Cola building and you put them in the street, you'll have a diaspora of cultures. You'll have Indians, you'll have Asians, you'll have blacks, you'll have whites, but the people at the top are all going to look the same for the most part. And that's the same thing that I feel like 
at a PWI, specifically at Georgia State, as the most diverse university in the state of Georgia and as the second largest university in the nation since we consolidated with, with Georgia Perimeter. Oh, I'm giving so all good. the shout outs right now. Yeah. Oh. So <laughs> if I'm looking at that, that's exactly what I'm going to see in corporate America. I'm going to see people who look different ways, but the people who are teaching the classes or the people who are the administrators or the people who are the university presidents all look the same. And like you said, maybe prepare isn't the right word, but because I've been exposed to that, not saying that I think, and this is why I can't really speak on it too much because I never attended a HBCU. And I feel like those, I feel like that's something, that's a narrative that's taught to HBCUs as well is that, hey, even though you're around people who really care about you, even though as your professor, I'm going to make you do better and I'm going to make you write that paper over and get a better grade, just know that you can't do this in the real world. The difference is I got that speech in high school and I didn't have the opportunity to do it in college. Okay. Um, I'm sorry if this doesn't flow well. We had some PWI difficulties. Um, someone's using their PWI privilege <laughs> and set us back. <laughs> Um, <laughs> your privilege is showing. I'm playing. Uh, okay, so the point I had, I had two different points um, with just the preparedness. And I liked how Robin said it was biased because it can kind of be in the same token as like basically like Greek stuff. Like, you know, someone, granted, it won't be the white man in the top office, but like, you know, they see not even just their organization, but they see you a black Greek or whatever. You know, they'll help you out. Like, oh, I see you, you know decays or whatever let me you know make sure you good or whatever and then i know as far as my hbcu we had a career fair which is a really really huge deal fortune 500 companies come like vultures mostly for business students you know you know they're getting they started getting better with it students as i was about to graduate on it but yeah they would come like feed you google would come free stuff like take these jobs here are the jobs get these jobs so i don't think that's ever been a problem um for us, it was like, oh, my God, I don't have a HBCU. I'm not going to measure up. I feel like they, you know, made sure that, you know, like on, on Scandal, they say we got to work twice as hard. So we already got to work twice as hard because we're black. <laughs> but we got to work quadruple hard because we're black from HBCU because, you know, they're going to look at it the same, the points you made. Like, oh, well, this person from, you know, UF and we have this FAMU application. So now we got to prove ourselves twice, you know in the room with the, the people who make decisions. Like, yeah, I went to a black school and I'm black, but I'm also that girl. So here's our resume. Here's what I can do. Blah, blah, blah. Nice. That was nice. That was good. Um, I, I would kind of disagree in that I think as a HBCU mm-hmm. graduate, you have to prove yourself. Um, when these companies want a black person, they don't go to a school that's 5% black, you know, 10% right. black. They mm-hmm. go to a school that's 98% black because now, yeah. you know, if it's, you know, let's say 200 people come out and really only, you know, 45 are qualified, you know, it, I don't know if you would have gotten those same numbers going to a PWI, not because the mm-hmm. the quality students aren't there, just because you have black students who are, who are then dispersed amongst the different majors and, and stuff. It's like, you know, hey, this black college has 98% black people. So when we go and we hit their comp side apartment, we know we, we, we can walk away with at least one black, you know, engineer. Um, and I think, I'm, you know, I, 
and I don't I don't know if companies weigh like, oh, a black person from Morehouse is going to be different as from a black person from FAMU. I think it's just, you know, I, I know that I get a, there's a lot of love from Morehouse people that when I'm interviewing for a job, I search LinkedIn to see if there's any Morehouse cats. And I, I reach out and I get advice. And the brothers, and, and I, it, it, they're receptive. Hey, you, you're interviewing here. Here's what, you know, just, yeah, here's some points. You know, good luck, my brother. Um, and, I, and so, yeah, and, and I think, you know, just HBCUs in general, I think we tend to be close to one another. It's like, hey, you know, we're, you know, we're in this fraternity sorority. We're in this group that had a special experience. I'm going to look out. Not to say that you don't look out for all black people, but if it's between two black people, you're going to look out for someone who you feel you may have more in common with. Yeah, that's definitely a good point that you guys, I feel like you guys have like a bigger network and you have a bigger opportunity to meet someone like from your school in your same field. Like the people that I know from hospitality, like at Florida State are like all like my mentors that I had in school anyway. So like the one or two black people that just so happen like, oh yeah, I'm also a hospitality major. So it's like when I'm reaching out to people, I'm literally reaching out to like, white people at companies that may or may not have went to Florida State like that's probably not a thing but it's not necessarily like I don't have a a good chance of meeting a black person that is like a CEO or an executive or whatever for a company that also went to Florida State that was also a hospitality major like the odds are just a lot slimmer so I feel like in that case like you guys really do have like an advantage because I mean you're always probably going to find somebody that was like a black person that's an IT major from like 10 years ago that's running this company that could possibly lend you a hand whereas somebody else will have to look a little bit harder for that. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, just finding commonalities with people, especially when it comes to networking, that's what really gets our foot in the door. And not that they're like, you know, they don't tell us in class, Mm -hmm. y'all are double negatives because y'all are black and from HBCU, but, you know, they give us tools that make us stand out. You know, when a family person comes to the room, it's like the greetings, I am so-and-so, so-and-so from where, wherever, like that extra greeting, it commands attention. It's like, (laughs) okay, this person, you know, is know what they're talking about. So, yeah, um... Okay, we, we got on this a little bit. Uh, let's let's yeah. move on. Let's move on. Um, hmm. Were you guys part of the Black Student Unions at y'all schools? I was. I was the homecoming director for the Black Student Union for one year. Um, so I was a participant my freshman year, and then I was on the executive board for my um, sophomore year. So. Okay, yeah, I know y'all BSU was oh, like girl. a big deal. Just got a house. The BSU at Florida State is extremely serious, Um, especially like when you're coming in through care. It's one of the very first organizations that really like take the time to kind of bring you in like as a black student or as a minority student and say like, hey, this is the resources that we have on campus. This is like what we have for you. And pretty much since the BSU has been established, like a majority, if not all, I'm willing to bet it's probably all like all of the really top influential like black leaders at Florida State have gone through or like served in the BSU in some type of capacity and like even though I did not have like a I would say a long like substantial involvement in the BSU like I have friends that did and I still would go to events I would still support I would still give money and everything just when they needed it just because like it is so 
important that black students know like, okay, all else fails. I have some place on campus that I can go and I have people that are willing to help me. I have people that are willing to, if they can't help me, they're going to find me somebody that can. So, um, all loves to be a shoe. Oh, let's see. Did y'all have one, Jovan? There's like a lot of black people. So y'all just, I mean, yeah, we, we don't have one. We have organizations that are catered specifically towards like African-American male or African-American female initiatives. So I was in tighter grip which kind of focuses on empowerment of African-American males. And we also have the Black Sophomore Society, but it doesn't, it isn't something that's circumvented throughout the entire school. Like I've seen at different schools, like a Black UGA or um, a Black FSU that has something throughout all classifications. It's like, okay, your freshman year, you can do a step team. You can be in um, Peerless Perfection or Quiet Storm, which is a male and female, and most of those are typically Black. Your sophomore year, you can be a mentor to one of those organizations or you can do Black Sophomore Society. And usually the people who ended up doing the step teams end up being Greek anyway. So it isn't something that I would say is university-wide. I'm guessing that's just because there is such a large African-American presence on campus. And that's what I think the biggest debate from Georgia State people is when we get into this whole um, HBCU versus PWI. The first thing we'll say is, yo, we're, I mean predominantly white technically no we actually graduate more african-americans than anybody else in the nation and on campus the people who are younger are the black people the people who are living on campus the people who are our age yeah basically we're on campus i mean yeah i think the reason why georgia state university is a pwi is because it started off as a community school. So it started off as the Georgia Tech Evening School of Commerce before it branched off and became an independent university. Um, and a lot of the people who attend Georgia State then, you had to be a commuter student. So even now, there is a commuter type culture. There's something that's being changed because, you know, if you've circled downtown lately, like within the last four or five years under the, the presidential term of uh, Dr. Becker, he started in 2010. We've literally bought almost everything in downtown. It's pretty much Georgia State. We bought the SunTrust building. We made that advisement. We went and bought the Brave Stadium. Um, like everything around here is Georgia State. And there's actually construction that's going to tear down the oldest building called Kale Hall. And it's going to make a big green space. So in the next five to seven years, the Georgia State campus is going to look a lot like Georgia Tech as far as like, yeah, it's downtown, but it's a campus. Okay. Um, which I feel like makes our argument a little different than a lot of schools in that, okay, the proximity is remotely close. I know, well, maybe it's just because I was Greek, but I was over at the AC all the time to the point to where people were like, yo, don't you go to Georgia State? Oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah sure do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Uh, That's <laughs> a benefit for being in proximity. <laughs> I mean, I used to go across the track to choose, yeah, guys. You know, I ain't judging. Yeah. I don't know what you was choosing on. I mean, we'll have to talk about that on the side. But <laughs> I get you, though. I got you. So, <laughs> I've been delivered, so we ain't got to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. yeah, I don't know what y'all talking about. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> What's up, bro? I got a question for Jova. 
So, I mean, with, with your population of your school being predominantly black and you all graduated from black uh, students, um, Google it. Thank Google you. Google. What does that look like? Please say that again. Of, ooh, no, we don't. Say we it again. We, we don't. I'm like, right. I'm like, come on. Now. School. Um, what is, I mean, but what does the administration, the leadership look like? Like, the president, the provost, the, you know, VPs, you know, SGA president. Um, I mean, you mentioned you were the first black homecoming king. No, I was the first um, black homecoming prince, and I was the first sophomore to do it. But there's been some after me, and I was the first person to win king and prince. But the SGA uh, president, student body president, is pretty much always black. Uh, the last one we had that wasn't was I think 2012, but the one before that actually his name was Marcus Kerners and he went to MLK, and then um, after that uh, was um, a guy named Fortune Anzarike. He's a black guy. Um, I was a vice president, so it's just like what's representative of what people see on campus. Like when people come and do a tour at Georgia State, that's what they see. Uh, a lot of is just. Now, there is diversity there, but like I said, the, the student leadership positions, and I think that kind of comes from the wherewithal that's put in, inside the people that end up attending Georgia State that I know what I was told when I was in the orientation class. Um, my leader was a black guy. And he said, yo, take over. Do everything you possibly can. Like, make your face recognizable with the school. And I feel like a lot of people who come here who are African-American have that same kind of mindset, which I feel like is similar to what people have at uh, HBCUs. I know this isn't one of the questions, but it's also something I felt is that I felt I, I used to, you know, think about my decision in retrospect. And I would say, would I have been able to do what I did at Georgia State if I had went to a, a Clark or Morehouse? And I had to say, honestly, I don't. I don't think I would have been as hungry. I would have cheated as much because not to throw any shade, no shade, no tea. But every time Every time I go to Morehouse or I go to Clark, even the people who are trying to be individuals and stand out look like everybody else who's trying to be an individual and stand out. It's like, I think, I mean, you can look at it from a fashion perspective. You can look at it from, I think, um, people kind of sound alike. I I know it's a culture like a family, but that's kind of what I saw is like, would I have just been a, a number? Like, would I have just been someone else? Or, you know, I, I know I probably wouldn't have been, like, not not doubting my skills or my ability to, you know, be, quote, unquote, the guy where I went. But would I have had, would I have wanted to work as hard just so I can be, you know, what other people probably didn't perceive my abilities to be? Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So, basically, you're saying you was that dude. Or whatever, it was I didn't. I didn't say that. It I didn't say that. It was implied. I mean, I mean, I, I think, <laughs> I think, I, you know, it's I think we, you know, other people might say that. It. You know. So I mean, you saying basically, you know, you, like you could have just like my my face is still on the wall. Like I'm looking at a picture of myself See, right now. Okay, like, just say you that dude. It's uh, okay. I'm not I'll judging. Just, <laughs> yeah. I'll just okay. Joking. No, no but really, you just saying you just feel like you just would have been like any old body. Uh, and, that's um, what you said. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> okay. Okay, moving along. Okay. I said I, I said I asked myself if I would. We you know, you'll never know because you didn't go to a Morehouse or a Clark. 
So exactly. Okay, exactly. moving right along. Um, okay, so as someone who was a part of a Black Greek organization, how do you think? You know, do you think that altered your experience, and then robbing your perception of like Black Greek life? Do you think it was like? Do you think it made it blacker, or do you think you know how did how did that fit into your sure. PWI so experience? If that makes sense. Okay. Um, I feel like it it did give me just a little more unique experience than you know most of other people is because um, because our chapter is a pretty recognizable one across Alpha. It gave me the ability to go and travel and go see different yards, quote unquote, and, and just kind of feel a part of it. Um, I do know, just being perfectly honest, like there are some schools who might, of course, they're still brothers, but. Oh. They might not be quote unquote as cool or have as much swag, like, you know. They, you know, do a four kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. I mean, no. Rodney, 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 Rodney can attest to it. When you think about, okay, but but when he when I'm letting him finish, just put it okay. When when you think about when you think about the entirety of Georgia for the most part, and really all of Alpha South, you think about. You think about the A rows, you think about the Alpha Fives, you think about the Jada Music. It's just kind of how it goes. And I think because I was able to do it and I was doing it so I, I crossed so young, then I was able to kind of have those experiences, which made me say, okay, well, yeah, um, the HBCU is fun, it is lit, but so is, uh, you know, Georgia State. I think um, from a business perspective, I think that me being a member of a Greek organization, kind of also gave me some of the leverage that HBCUs possess when they say, okay, you went to Morehouse, I went to Morehouse, here we go. I was able to say, okay, I'm an alpha. Oh, he's an alpha. Here we go. So I think that kind of gave me an opportunity to leverage some of those um, connections that I feel like a lot of people who attend HBCUs are able to um, have because they are able to have a Rolodex of so many alumni who've been able to go on and accomplish great things. I think when you're a member of a Greek organization, it gives you an opportunity. And I honestly feel like it's, it's like great when you attend the HBCU and are Greek because sometimes that gives you the best of both worlds with that. Uh-huh. Robin? Um, so as a non-Greek person over here, um, I'll just say that I didn't really have a perception of Greek life to base off of mm. when I got to college because I am a first-generation student. Um, both of like the two great cousins that I have that are Greek did grad chapter. Mm-hmm. So I had like no real knowledge of like Greek life when I got to school. I knew what an AKA was. I knew what a Delta was. I knew what a Q was. I knew what a Kappa was. And like, that was about it. And like those stereotypes, I'm not even going to repeat like on air <laughs> what I heard when I was like young, obviously, you know? So when I got to school, it was kind of like, oh, okay, like, you know, like, trying to, I guess, learn, like, what the, I don't want to say, like, what the big deal was, but, like, the purpose that, like, the perception that a lot of us have, like, if you do know anything about, like, Greek life or, like, sorority fraternity life, like, growing up in the hood, kind of, it's like, you get your ass beat. Like, you go to college, you get your ass beat. Like, if you want to be in a sorority. And that's just being real. That's just me keeping it, like, 100%, like, real. So, you know, I get to college, I'm like, okay, like, I ain't really trying to get my ass beat. Like, you know, I ain't never really got my ass beat by nobody that ain't my mama. So I'm not really trying to, like, you know, whatever. 
so, <laughs> so you know, but obviously, like you get into it, and you see, okay, so these are like our leaders on campus. Depending on what school you go to, and what chapters, and what members are at your school, you see like different people doing different things. So, like, okay, so if I'm interested in this, maybe this is somebody that I need to connect with. Maybe Greek life is something that I could be interested in. But I think that like it that comes with a lot of learning. And I think that you have to, like, as a black person, especially when you learn, like, okay, most of these fraternities and sororities were founded at, you know, historically black colleges and universities. So you are now looking at how these fraternities and sororities have, like, transcended time at this point, how they've come on campus, how they've made their way on campus, how the newer members have decided to grow and to lead and, like, what type of name do they make for like their chapters? Mm-hmm. So I will say that I think that you can come into college thinking like as a black person or whatever, especially if you don't go to an HBC, if you go to a PWI, like you're looking at these schools. And if you don't know anything about Greek life, you're looking at these chapters and it's like, okay, like, am I looking at this organization for the organization for what is the organization mm-hmm. stands for and what is done? Or am I going to go based off of like the chapter and its members and what is done here and what is done out in mm-hmm. the world? So I think that that's kind of like the perception of somebody that's like not Greek and like versus like, again, I can't speak like how it would be seeing something as like an HBCU because I didn't have that experience. But I just know like being a black student coming in and seeing how the fraternities and sororities impacted us on campus kind of like that made me look at it. It made me look at like the the organizations themselves differently, but I do look at chapters differently. And like when I meet other people that are Greek from other places, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm kind of like comparing to like, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> that don't sound like nothing that, you know, what's going on in Florida State, like XYZ. <laughs> you know, I'm always kind of doing that comparison in my head. So I just think that like um, with situations like that, like it's, you have to do your research. And I think that's, like, the one thing that's kind of missing from the conversation, like, above all, like, HBCPW, that is research. Like, so whether it's yes. going to be in an organization, whether it's going to be in a school, whether it's going to be whatever, like, you have to research. Because I could have came in feeling one type of way about fraternities and sororities, and I could have ended up in, you know, doing Delta Zeta. Right. And, you know, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? Had I not, like, actually taken the time to, like, learn anything right. or, like, get in with them. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, Let's see trying to you know get through this uh hmm okay have you guys ever faced blatant racism on campus Ooh. um honestly no i never i never really like i never had somebody like call me a nigger or like tell me to like get the hell off the FSU's campus or like I didn't belong here. Go back to Africa. Or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. None of that, none of that foolishness. And I will say it's because like as much as much as white people like to talk tough, they really do know who to play with. Like that was just never something like some of them, some of them know, you know, who to play with. Yeah, you know, but and again, I personally was never in a space where I was around too many white people. And that's just like I didn't I didn't care to be like period. So um, I did join Garnier and Gold Guys, which for people that don't know is the recruiting organiz- recruiting recruiting organization for the Florida State football team. And so that was like one of the first times on campus when I got around like more white people, and you start to like hear what they think and what they say. 
and everything like that, which was never really an issue. It was more like microaggressions. So like, mm-hmm. you know, when one of the black girls come around, it's, oh, hey, girl. And, oh, you know, like they whole vernacular change and they started trying to speak like, trying to speak what they think is cool or what they think is hood or what they think is ghetto. Like, and it's like, yeah, like, don't do that with me. Where's the... It's like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, girl, no. You know, so it would be different things like that. Um, like we have one of the coaches that used to call the boys uh, from South Carolina peanut pickers because there are a lot of peanut farms in South Carolina. And so one of the girls, when they made a joke about cotton picking. Oh, no. And of course, of course, we're in front of a parent on like a tour. So I can't like snap your neck. <laughs> like, you know, I can't do anything. I literally have to pull you to the side afterwards as a professional. And that's, you know, me learning as a professional how to handle, like, listen, that's not, like, something that you make a joke about. That's not appropriate. Like, it's not in the same context mm-hmm. type of thing. You know, so it was me learning how to be a teacher in those moments more than anything. Um, but I will say, like, after Trayvon, that's when I kind of, like, was, like, a little bit. I don't want to say that's when I got woke, but that's when you start seeing, like, white people, how they really feel. Because it's like, okay... I've brought, like, weed from, like, almost all of y'all, and I know almost all of y'all sell other things other than that, and you do other things other than that, but you're calling Trayvon and Mike Brown and all these people thugs. Mm -hmm, For weed. So, you know, so it wasn't, yeah, so it wasn't so much, like, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I I would not call it blatant racism. It's not what I would define as blatant racism, but microaggressions all day, for sure. Yeah, I I've seen many a transactions across them tracks. It's a whole you right, and you right, and you calling people thugs over like a little over like hey, like shut up. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Okay, what about you, Javon? Yeah, I think the same here. Um, I did get pulled over. This isn't really school related, but I did get pulled over um, last fall, matter of fact, and I was in Hall County. Don't go to Hall County. There's one thing in Hall County, and that's the Falcons training facility. But besides that, it's grass. So I was out there. I was actually headed to Lake Lanier. One of my profiles was having a yacht party, and we paid for this unlimited hitty, hitty, um little things. So I was like, yeah, I'm, got, I'm, I'm going. I'm going. And God was giving me all the signs not to go. He's First, it was my LB saying, don't go to Lake Lanier. People die there. It's bad luck. Don't go. I was like, man, I'm not trying to hear what really you say. Good. Then I was supposed to ride with one of my profiles. I ended up closing my eyes, slept too long. They had already left on the way. The third thing that I got warned by is that when I navigated to the address, I'm in somebody's backyard. I'm like, oh, this is not a lake. I don't know how you swim here. The zip code was wrong. I put it back in the Navi. It's a whole 40 minutes away. Let me tell you what an intelligent person would do. You know what? That's too far. The boat's leaving Go in 15 home. minutes. I'm going home. Let me tell you what I did. I said, I'm going to punch it because I have unlimited honey. And I punched it and I got pulled over. Now, when I got pulled over... I've gotten many a speeding tickets. I'm probably the most speed-assessed person that's in this age bracket. But I got a speeding ticket. Um, he comes, and he says, first thing, doesn't say, do you know I pulled you over? He says, what's in the car that I need to worry about? First of all, I got on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, you know, I got on chinos. I got on a, a, a dress shirt. I got on my fake prescription glasses. So I'm like, you know, I know. I don't give you that impression right now, but you know what? I'll take your offense. Let me answer. There's nothing in the car, officer. He said, let me check. Okay. I said, no, sir, you need a warrant to search my vehicle. Okay, now he's upset. So he tells me to step out of the car. 
steps out of the car. By the way, there's been no indication what I was pulled over for any of that. He tells me to put my hands on the car. It's never gotten this far from me. And I go in handcuffs. I end up going to jail and they have me in a holding cell for 14 hours. They have me in a holding cell for 14 hours. I don't get fingerprinted. I don't take a picture. If you don't get fingerprinted or take a picture, that means you're not processed. That means if someone calls, you're not really there. That's exactly what happened to me. Uh, Actually, when I got in there, the booking officer who was the lone Hispanic guy there, besides all the Hispanic people and black people that are in the jail, he said, what are you in for? I gave him the ticket. He said, wow, I've worked here 17 years. I've never seen somebody booked for speeding. So I know exactly what that was. And I know he didn't appreciate me educating him on something he should already know. Now, what I had to do is I had to reassess the entire situation because I know the entire time I was in there for that 14 hours, I'm like, man, oh, yeah, I'm about to get on the news. I'm about to be the most woke dude. Y'all, y'all, I'm going to be marching by myself down the streets. I'm going to do all that. Like, oh, yeah, y'all thought it was a joke. As soon as I get out of here, I'm getting my phone. I'm getting on Facebook Live. I'm talking about this. But then I had to look at the things that I did to put myself in that position. I felt like it was godsend because I felt that if I would have gone and would have drank all the honey on the boat, I still have to drive an hour back. So how am I going to get back? You know, whose life am I putting in danger besides my own? So I looked at that. I looked at it as a blessing. Yeah, right, right. So I looked at that as a blessing. I looked at it as a, um, it was my first time experiencing something like that. And I just knew in my mind that if I looked a different way, that, I would have either got a, okay, just slow down, or I would have just got a ticket. Um, or maybe if I would have been a good black boy and kept my mouth closed. Um, but even that, I wouldn't say is blatant. As blatant as what we've, the times we're in now, that someone can, you know, say, I'll grab a woman by the pussy and get elected Listen. as president. You know, like that just, so... I wouldn't define that as blatant, as she said, but that's the best experience that I have to offer. What tiki torches on campus. Right. Like, just yeah, yeah, yeah. foolishness. <sighs> that's a lot. like that. Okay. Yeah. Ronnie? Okay. So, um, you know, after that, what is the, uh, I guess, what would you say is the blackest experience you've had? And don't say swag, sir. <laughs> I cannot see it on Twitter. Oh my God, we have many HBCU. Look at the look how lit. Yeah, thought. that which is lame. Yeah. That is very lame. So I want to just apologize on behalf of my fellow um, <laughs> PWI students for giving the hell. Oh, we can have HBCU. Like, no, you can't, girl. Like, find your HBCU homecoming to go to, like the rest of us, Thank and just you. relax. Thank like, mm, I disagree. Uh, I disagree. Okay. <laughs> But um, the blackest experience, that is hard. Um, it's, and I mean, it's hard for me just because, again, I don't, I don't feel like black is like one thing. I still don't know how to play spades. So I had a many of those well, people playing yeah. spades. I know, wow. right, right. I got it, yeah. So, you, but you know what I'm trying to say? So I guess the, the blackest experience I, we've had... That is very that is extremely hard for me. Um we like I said, we did so many things inside of the uh BSU. We did so many like so many things with BSU, especially having old like people that were like the first ten black students on campus come back oh, and talk crazy. to us about like what that was like. Right, exactly, which was um Mayor Marks. 
well, obviously he's not mayor anymore, but he was the mayor of Tallahassee for a very long time. And his wife, um, who I love dearly, both of them, but they were like the first like 10, 15, 20 black students on campus. So to be able to have them come back and speak to us and be like, yeah, y'all are literally like walking on the shoulders of giants at this point. You get what I'm trying to say? This point has been so far along. And um, when we celebrated 50 years of integration at FSU, that was like a big deal for me to be there and to see that, that we've only been like integrated for as long as like my mother has been alive, basically. Well, she wasn't younger. What year was that? Um, 50 years of integration. I want to say that was 2012. That's or 2013 it was either 2012 or 2013 was when we celebrated 50 years of integration wow but um outside of that i guess maybe just the parties like we party a lot i party way too much and the parties were like the only time where we absolutely like did not have to see any like the parties that like the fraternities had for example were like really the only times where like we could party and i didn't have to (laughs) i didn't have to worry about any white people like bumping into me or like being sloppy drunk i didn't have to go on the strip i didn't have to you know like things like that so um yeah I would say probably those are like the blackest moments that I had like at FSU was just being around like other black people on campus like whether it was through BSU or like any type of celebrations or anything we had oh the pageants there we go that's what I was looking for the pageants the pageants were always like this celebration of like black excellence whether or not you thought the person was excellent you know neither here nor there but to see them, like, go on stage and to, like, you know, like, show off whatever talent is they have and stuff. And then, you know, we, you you criticize, like, it's the BET Awards at them pageants. Like, it's just, like, you know, no hoes bar. So those were um, some of the blackest moments that we had at FSU that I missed. Okay, go ahead, Jermaine. You know, it's a lot of black folks. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not answering this you question. <laughs> what? Um, and the reason why I'm not answering this question is because how many people who go to an HBCU are going to receive a question asking about the widest experience they well, have? that's what I'm saying, because we don't have... Right. It's not... Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, okay, cool. Okay, well, cool. Let me ask you the blackest experience you've had. What you mean? Right. It's a weird question, right? So this is the exact thing that I'm talking about that 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 makes it... Yeah, I'm going to get preachy. It makes it... Like, even... Even even looking at the word black is quote unquote like it's in quotations for a reason. What really defines black? Because now we're getting into stereotypes. If I would have said the black experience I had was being late to class, then okay, was that saying right? The black experience I had was the ten for ten at Popeyes today. Like no, I think that these kind of questions it is what really tears apart the bridge between the PWI and the HBCU is saying that. There's certain things that we don't experience. Like, for, for instance, tailgate. I guarantee, Robin, if you come to a Georgia State tailgate, you wouldn't have those same things to say. I guarantee. Um, really? I went, to, I went uh, to Florida State. Have you ever been to a Florida State tailgate? Like, I, ha- I haven't. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't. So, but what, I, what, I'm saying, what I'm saying is, of course, it's going to be different. If I go to a Clark tailgate and a Spellhouse tailgate, they're two different things. The proximity Makes, I mean, not proximity, but the size is different. There's more people at one than the other. There might be a different celebrity there. The same kind of thing I feel at Georgia State. I don't feel like my blackness or I have a particular event that was the blackest at my PWI. I just, I don't. No, I don't and I that. and I agree with you on that, that like, yeah, blackness isn't one thing. Like, I can't just be like, oh, yeah. Because, I mean, look, again, 
I grew up in the hood. Like, that's one part of me. Every black person does not grow up in the hood, though. I grew up in the hood, and I still was in a two-parent home. So, you get what I'm trying to say? So, if you want to break it down to, like, stereotypes and, like, selective blackness. And, like, well, no, that's what I don't want to do. Black, yeah. da, 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 da. Like, I get what you're trying to say. But at the same time, if we going to ignore, like, distinctive nuances that make us black, then you kind of just make... That's when we get into the argument about black. It's kind of be up for a consumption for everybody. Everybody can't be black. Mm-hmm. And that is, there are some very, very unique experiences that you have that, like, really, like, just... Again, highlight for me, like, that celebration of diversity to most of them white kids on campus was just like, oh, okay, like, that's cool. Like, that's the reason why we got the three, the diversity statue on campus or whatever the case is. Like, that's fine. For me, as a black person, meant something completely different. So it's like, yeah, your blackness is not just one thing. It's many things wrapped into one. But I think to kind of shy away from that and be like, oh, well, you know, blackness ain't just one thing. Like, you're right. It's not one thing. It's a lot of things. But see, see, with that answer and consideration, what I would even do is change the question to say, what was the most empowering thing you experienced at your PWI instead of what was the blackest experience you had? Because I would say the most... um, empowering experience I had was when uh, Barack Obama got elected for the second time. So when he got reelected, everybody from the dorms flooded the streets and we ran up and down P. Monroe. It was just a sea of black people. Like that was empowering for me. Like, wow. Like I actually got to vote in this one. Like this actually means something. You know what I'm saying? That was also black as hell. Like that's a black, like niggas just running up and down the street on P. Nah. That's black as fuck. So I get what you're saying. What, 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 what makes that, saying. what makes a celebration black? When when the New England Patriots won the Super Bowl, people in New England ran up and down the streets. But I'm saying that's. What, what I'm saying what, what makes what makes a celebration of an event black because, because you can make the black same. And because of, it was y'all black behind no. running. Okay, okay, but when it's but when it's white people running around this. for the World Series, the mute button also, folks. When when the Chicago Cubs won the World Series, you have people flooding. <laughs> One thing I, I, I'm gonna have to get Robin number after this. Me and Robin gonna talk about <laughs> Oh my god! One, I appreciate Javon. I think Javon brought yeah. a very good point about you know that he, he was insulted mm-hmm. by the question. Uh, so I'll pose you you this question, Javon. What what was a celebration or what was a a space or an event in which you felt most like securing your blackness? And and, and what I mean by that is that you know, that you being black was of no threat and it was it was of no disadvantage to you at that point. You know, y'all weren't going to be shut down because you were black. Someone, you know, something wasn't going to happen because you all were black. And it was just a moment of being free and, 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 and without worry. Uh-oh. I mean, honestly speaking, I don't feel like there was ever a moment when I didn't feel a liberty in my blackness. And I think that's just coming from how I was raised. And that's another um, answer I was going to bring up uh, when the question was proposed. I might have missed that. But when, you know, sometimes we had a program as well about HBCU versus PWIs. And one of the biggest arguments is that, you know, people who attend HBCUs are educated on the Christmas addicts and the Langston Hughes and are talking about the people who aren't highlighted by everybody, by, you know, mainstream history classes, they're learning those things. I learned those things because I was raised with my grandparents. So I was exposed to that kind of stuff 
early. So like I've always kind of felt that I owed it to my grandparents and I owed it to my ancestors to excuse me, I'm sorry. To always bless you, to always give the best representation of myself, but in turn, even though it might be unfair, everybody who came before me, anybody who looks like me, that's the kind of mindset I've had. So I mean with that question in context, I mean, it'd be the same thing. It'd just be like us being in the street. And I realized, according to Robin, it was we blackest, you know. But <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't think about that at the time. I just looked around. I said, "This is a really beautiful thing because everybody in the street right now is getting educated. Everybody in the street right now has an opportunity to be the next president. Has an opportunity to, you know, do the things that everybody feels is unprecedented for people who look like us. Mm-hmm. And and that's what was empowering at the time. But you know, I mean, so. I get what you're trying to say because I do think. And <laughs> swag serve be lit at Georgia State because I lead it with the whistle. Oh, God. oh my gosh! Ooh, where'd you get Alphas that from? God, <laughs> y'all can die. But anyway, so um, I. <laughs> How you really feel, Robin? Yeah, I live. Mean, honestly, it's annoying. Like y'all need to drop. We are breaking it down. Drop the whistle across the board. Like that needs to go no, down. See, no, you just have to see it blowing the right way. It is a technique to it. Thank you. But what I was going to <laughs> say was, um, there is a point about being secure in your blackness that should come up across. PWIs, HBCUs, or whatever, because I do think that is a very good point. And especially when we're talking about PWI students that kind of like they they go out their way in a sense to like, oh yeah, well, I'm I'm black regardless of what like you gotta let people know, like, even though I ain't go to HBCUs, like I'm still black. Like, okay, that's cool, girl. We can see that. Like, well, for some of y'all. Some of y'all it's a little bit harder to tell. But for the majority of the time, we can tell that like you're black and we got it. So I see where you're coming from with that, with like having that security, like growing up in a space where you were told like, you're black, you're beautiful, that like, you know, people going to look at you crazy or people going to say certain things about that and that's going to like whatever, but you don't, you can be secure in that and you can be safe. So I feel what you're coming from with that, but I do still feel like, you know, like there's nothing wrong with highlighting like, yeah, I I feel black as hell right now. Like I just get the moments like that. I feel really black right now. Like. Okay, so Robert, I thought it was very interesting that you said you guys celebrated 50 years of integration in 2012. Like, that's crazy. That was only 55 years ago. Like, my mama been on this earth longer than y'all have been integrated. Like, yeah. And that's a point I feel like a lot of people ignore. Like, with the Twitter, PWI versus HBCU, like, some of the biggest ones that blew up, I was so ashamed because both of them was AKAs. And it was just like, sis. Oh, I know exactly. I was gonna bring her up. Too, that was one. I, that I, was the most recent, but it was one like some couple years back. I'm like, come on, again, y'all. Dang. But yeah. you know, one of my biggest points is like, I understand that you feel like you're valued in your, you know, PWI education, but your black ass couldn't go to that school fifty some years ago. And I'm sorry, I had to cuss, but to get my point across, yeah. I just had to get that interest in there. <laughs> but like, no, she did. You know, I just felt. <laughs> Leave me on. But no, seriously, like that was really all we had. So to come back and try to like, you know, S on HBCUs, I feel like that's not a fair thing to make because you just said 50 years ago, 55 now, I mean, you couldn't even go to that school. They wouldn't even let you in. Like, you know, these are 
struggles it's, that we had, the doors we had to break down to get y'all in them schools. It's it's incredibly um, ignorant. It's incredibly um, insulting. And like I'm trying to mm-hmm. think back on like me freshman year, I might have said like one or two things or whatever. And I'm thinking about that because like we all c- gotta come from somewhere or whatever. But there was never a point when I was like absolutely like you know HBCUs are just like worth nothing or like I don't want to be around black people or whatever. So seeing or like you don't get like because you all around black people like you don't know as much or like it doesn't take as much to get into HBCUs. I think that's why I'm personally like hurt. Like girl, what? Like that doesn't make any sense to me especially because i mean you're here you are here and it's not necessarily because people want you to be here or care that you're here in regards to going to a pwi like you're here because you you made it and you accepted it and like that's great or whatever but you know there unless you really find like a professor you really find a leader unless you really have somebody like distinct on campus you don't have that really good chance of somebody looking out for you as much as you do at HBCU and kind of making sure that like you're getting where do you need to be because these people don't resonate with you Mm -hmm. you know so to hear comments like that like coming from people and especially to hear it coming from people that are in like Black Greek organizations that started at yeah. historically is is that throws me like that abs- I have like yeah. no absolutely no understanding for that and I remember when that happened like on Twitter recently because I was at work and I missed all the action I had to get the screenshots later but I was just like that's just like crazy to me that you would be in this prestigious organization that you were founded at a prestigious school like Howard and then to basically be like well yeah HBCUs ain't S or whatever like okay girl and so if HBCUs never existed if black people just had to work to get into predominantly white schools most of us would not people wouldn't have made it into the 70s 80s or even 90s that's fact number one like people would have just started going there had there the only reason why there are so many um I feel like and this is probably not like statistical or anything but why there are so many people black people that started going to predominantly white institutions in the 50s in the 60s and everything like that were because there were black people that already were educated and they were able to you know like say okay like you know they're able to then talk to policymakers talk to laws put money in the right people's pockets or whatever to be able to get people into predominantly white institutions but that was not it's not like it was an option right like, you know, Bessie DeVos up here talking about, you know, HBCUs were found out of choice. Like, girl, absolutely <laughs> not. Like, all. absolutely not. Like, people are able to go to schools they want to now more so because of choice, but that was not originally the purpose. Right. So, I think it's ignorant. Okay. That was something I definitely wanted to get out and put that on the table. Just like, yeah. that was one of my biggest points when the argument comes up every time. I've, I've given up on joining the argument because it's like I'm not gonna sit yeah. and have the same conversation every three months yeah but we it's, it's really thinking about that like if this was some odd years ago you really would not have had that option it's like even the two girls next you might have had the option but they might have met they black coded for that year so you would have been stuck <laughs> you know so your only choice then would have been an HBCU so okay um so, you know, we're trying to wrap it up and we have, you know, we have, we covered a lot of questions. Some questions answered themselves. Um, Rodney, do you have any additional questions from here that you wanted to ask? Um, no? Yeah. Um, Skimming over the questions right now? <laughs> I'm looking. Uh, we, yeah, we answered no. a lot of these uh, questions already. 
uh, it was an interesting conversation I wanted to have. I feel like we got to well, have different perspectives. Go okay. ahead, Rodney. I was just trying to feel some free space. Okay. So, given today's political climate mm-hmm. with this president, you know, if you think back over it, really since since 2012, you know, with the Trayvon Martins, the Michael Browns, um, you know, the the various incidences across the, the nation in terms of uh, at colleges where Mizzou had to protest because, you know, things that were happening on their campus that were racist. Um, do you think you would change your decision to attend a PWI? That's a good question. If you had to go in today's, yeah, today's political and, uh, so yeah. under this president. If I'm a senior in high school this, right now yeah, and I have to make a decision, yeah, money money is not like uh-huh. you it's not about money, it's not about um it's simply about what you feel would be the best for your development. Here's what I would say. I would say in today's political climate, if I'm looking at my president as being the orange-haired, orange-skinned Donald Trump, I would honestly say I would be more inclined to go to a PWI now just because I know he wouldn't want me to be there. Because I feel like he wants to compartmentalize the people who make up the United States in the first place to divide them in a way to where only the people who he wants to be represented are. Like the whole way, I know, you know, this could get into a really long conversation, but the whole way that the whole Colin Kaepernick police brutality nail has been switched and circumvented and segued into a conversation about respecting the flag when it has nothing to do with that, just lets me know that he would much rather people all go to, quote unquote, where they belong. I remember it was a rally he was having when he was still running for president. And there were people who were um, from the Black Lives Matter movement. I don't even want to misquote. They might not have been from the Black Lives Matter movement, but they're African-American. They were talking about um, no Trump because of the hate. And when riots started happening in the back of the rally, Donald Trump gets on the microphone. And he says, back in the good old days, he would have been carried out in a stretcher. That just kind of lets you know the kind of way he thinks. In my mind, in the good old days, we didn't have the opportunities to be amongst people who were privileged from birth. You know, we had to fire our ways in our room. So I think I don't discount the importance of HBCU, I think now even more than ever, it's really important to educate African-Americans on how important we are to this country, how important we are to the world, how important we continue to be. But in my personal decision, this would make me really want to go to a PWI. Just honestly speaking, if I would have been graduating from high school now, I probably would have gotten way better grades, been a little more focused academically than I was in college. Um, probably wouldn't just have settled for the thank you law day and try to do a little more. But yeah. That's my answer. Okay. Um, so I would say yes and no. Um, and it's not, but it's not necessarily based on like, based on Trump being president or based on anything like that. Like, had I done a little bit more research, had I taken the time to go see different colleges, like other than, I think UCF was the only UCF and FIU, which I like had a full ride to, but absolutely not. Um, UCF was like 
one of the only college campuses I visited before making a decision of going to college. Like the first day, my first day at FSU was the first day that I saw FSU. And like, that was pretty much just it. So I didn't take the time. And again, me being a first generation college student, not having anybody in my family that went to college, you know, or had like a say like, okay, well, why don't you, why don't we go visit Howard? Why don't we go see, like I said, I could have rolled up and went to a family homecoming and that would have just been like, okay, never mind, Like I'm good right here, you know, whatever. And it's just because again, I love being around black people that much. And I love like being able to lean over and somebody like looks like me, somebody thinks like me, somebody, you know, we, I relate to people like a lot. So um, I think that like, had I done a little bit more research, had I been willing to get out of my comfort zone of saying like, okay, I'm not going to stay in Florida. I'm going to like venture out into the world and see what the world has to offer and everything. I'm more than likely, and I say this all the time, I more than likely would have went to HBCU. More than likely would have been a Spelman night. More than likely would have went to Howard or something like that or whatever. I, I didn't take a chance on myself. And I feel like that's probably, again, as a, it might be a first generation thing, um, just like not really mm-hmm. having that like motivation or not seeing that from somebody like, okay, this is a possibility. Like you don't have to stay in a bubble. Like you don't have to stay like in Florida, you know, whatever. Like that's not, that's not your only option. Um, you know, but again, me being somebody that went to Florida State genuinely loved and cherished my experience at Florida State, loved the people that I met, loved the things that like I went through there. I would not be the person that I am had I not went to Florida State. I mm. can't say like for sure I would not want to, you know, even with this climate and everything like that, because I still go and tell, you know, tell them white girls to like, you know, wash their mouth. Everything else that I did now, because they might be a little bit more confident with their president and everything, but I don't feel like I don't feel like him being in office or the political climate would make me any more. If anything, probably like Javon said, would have motivated me to be more like uh, and to be more black and like, yeah, I'm here. And like, these are the things that I'm going to accomplish. So I can't say for certain. And had I went to HBCU, could have had some different opportunities than the ones that I had at Florida State. But a different conversation for a different day. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just I just feel like it depends on what what are you willing to research, what are you willing to look into, what are you willing to do, and who ultimately like do you want to be? Awesome. Okay. So in conclusion, uh, this is a great conversation. I could honestly sit and listen to y'all go back and forth for another hour and a half. Uh, <laughs> oh, that it's was not great. over. <laughs> you may need it's to have a part with. two just so y'all can finish arguing at each other. Um, I thought I was gonna have to go find somebody problematic, but Jovan said I got you. Robin, what's your what's your what's your last oh, name, Robin? I'm trying to find you on Facebook right now. Old school. He got he needed no. all his characters. Yeah, that's fine. Like, that's how you find the old pictures. Like, no, absolutely <laughs> not. But if y'all ever want to have a segment on alphas getting cussed out, I'm here. I'm oh girl, I got you. Oh, yes. no, we, we can line that up. I'm gonna have, uh, <laughs> have my own segment. We can do an alpha. Segment. Oh, I have receipts. I have receipts. So let's go whenever you're ready. Um. So in conclusion, we that, we different strokes for different wow. folks. Uh, who hurt you, Robin? <laughs> Your fat brother. It's not who hurt me, it's who hurt the world, but no. Oh, hold on now. <laughs> so Alpha Hurt episodes coming soon. I'm sure you get a lot of women. <laughs> uh, I, I, I got 10 
off, off the dome. Fake news. Right. Fake news. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just different strokes for different folks. Like, you know, everybody has a different opinion about it. Um, we could have gone on for five hours on this podcast, but we ain't got time for that. Everybody got stuff to do. It's pretty late. But um, thank you guys so much for coming on here. We really may have to do a part two on this and like make it a thing or make it live. We can just take this, you know, even further. But well, let it be in person so Robin can say that stuff. <laughs> oh, don't worry. don't worry. Don't uh, worry. This has been super <laughs> fun. Uh, any conclusions? Any closing <laughs> points? Benedictions? Um, just again, do your research and be open. Like we all black, we all out here trying to get live. Degrees, like, don't hurt that's your, what matters. Right, getting degrees. Don't hurt your sister. Don't hurt your brother. And don't project. Don't project because a lot of people talk when it comes to this debate. They talk feelings and they don't talk facts. So don't just because you know that girl you was trying to holler at told you you know going on with your HBCU degree. That does not mean that all of us feel like you know everybody with HBCU. To you, I'm just saying, like, it'd be a lot of hurt feelings with conversations <laughs> at the same point. Just because somebody told you you only got in to FSU through care does not mean that all HBCU students hate you. So, like, stop with the projections. Okay. Yeah, and I'll just say, uh, everybody be blessed. Be one in your decision. Understand exactly what you want to do and don't let anybody sway that. It's one thing for people to, to you know, supply you with facts and, and details and kind of give you an, an idea of what to do, but once you've made that decision, don't settle for anything else. Having a plan B is planning for plan A to fail. That's okay, all I got. Look at that. So yeah, they gave you all social their social media in the beginning. Y'all follow them and stalk them and you know, tweet them hate if y'all want to. If anybody know Robin <laughs> Facebook, please, please, please. Um, Not yo underscore average though. Text it to me, please. Facebook is for family. Keep it oh, cute. Y'all have been great. Um, let's get out of here. Um, thank you again. We're gonna post this link. Try to, cause y'all was very, you know, black past three with y'all answers. They're very long winded, so we're gonna try to <laughs> chop them up into one minute for some clips for oh. the people to get a little taste of it to want to listen to the podcast. So yeah, um, that's it. Y'all be blessed. Oh yeah, well, something. Oh, I didn't know you was quiet over there. So <laughs> what? I, one, you know, just trying to let our guests go. Um, you know, appreciate them. For participating, it was a great conversation. Um, like I said, it's something that can to go on, but but I think we all realize that, especially kind of given this political climate this day and age, we as black folks we need to come together and and, and, and use our resources of, of education to lift as we climb. So I think it's about time we come together. Um, on a second note, I just want to say I, I searched Morehouse on Twitter over the weekend because it was homecoming. And so many, like, just Morehouse men slander tweets. Well deserved. I know y'all lying because it's not even that many of us. <laughs> that means that many of y'all are playing that many I have a few saved. I just ain't reel them out this year because I wasn't there. But next year, I'm back on the scene. I'm just saying, I've never, like, like, I need y'all to stop hating on Morehouse men because we're an easy target because, mm. like, people know, like, oh, it's, it's a male college, it's black male, so I can really slander mm. them. No. I mean, Black That's woman. it. That's it. Yeah, you're right. Because uh, I don't never see nobody saying avoid Howard men, mm-hmm. avoid the, you know. That's because you avoid wanna, DC y'all... men, period. It don't matter like, what they're there for. Robin, who hurt you? <laughs> what did I just say about projecting? Stop. <laughs> like, how did, how, like, we had, like, Robin all the way in Florida talking about, don't talk across country, right? National <laughs> consensus, ladies know. Thank you. And it's a problem. Y'all spread alphas, Morehouse men, DC. Y'all just, you know, uh, a lot going on. 
I'm tired of Dang, that. Roddy, you, you, you fit a couple of those. You two out of three, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, it, that's all I ever see on Twitter. Don't trust Morehouse men. Don't trust Alphas. I'm like, but you could trust a Morehouse Alpha. Yikes. I'm letting y'all know. Yikes. It's sad. Fake news perpetrated by the Qs. <laughs> Blame the, the Qs. Not, it ain't been a good day on Twitter for the Qs today. So they've been looking. Right. I think you might want to lead them out of the conversation for like a while. Give them a month. Give them a it good month. It's not been a good day for the Qs on Twitter. Okay. But <laughs> so you stopped the end of the benediction to put a disclaimer out for Alpha Zero House man. It, I, it I, I can I concur. I concur with that with that though. I think there was a good way to stop it. <laughs> You had to uh, put some truth into okay. some fallacies that were expressed. All you do have to do is search my at name and alpha. Right you'll see the truth about the alphas. That's all you have to do. Thank you. Y'all are hilarious, man. All right, man. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Bye.